Hello and welcome back to the Eurotrips football podcast. It's time for another team season preview and this time it's a turn of Aston Villa. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, whether you're listening on podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know we've done a few podcasts by now on season previews. So we're getting the groove going. Hopefully some other leagues like Serie A, which Ryan is organising at the moment, will be done as well. So if you like, if you listen to this on podcast or watch on YouTube and you're interested in Serie A, that is coming as well. But today we've got a newcomer to the podcast, Aston Villa fan, Eduardo Tanzley. First of all, Eduardo, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Andy. Good to be here on the podcast and um, talk a bit of football. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, I went to a festival on the weekend in Spain, so I got back yesterday. So obviously this will be released end of July, so it's been a few weeks since that ended. But time of recording, yeah, I've been in the UK about a day now. Um, got back about 1pm, well, into Gatwick at 1pm. Um, so yesterday was a bit of a write-off, to be honest. Got back about 8pm, um, which is a bit, bit of a ball late journey home, but... No, thankfully now, all good to go um, for, this, for, for this episode and our next one, which will be Man City. Um, so yeah, looking forward to doing that one as well. Well, not really, but yeah, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, very good. Very sunburned as well. Uh, there's lots of good acts. So yeah, it was very fun. And that actually should be, hopefully, provided everything goes to plan, another vlog coming out at some point in the summer about my time at Benicassine Festival. Um, but Eduardo, you're newcomer to the podcast. We ask all our newcomers on this, this sort of mini-series we're doing why they became a fan and for you now I couldn't find for your Twitter and I couldn't find through your WhatsApp picture where you're from in the UK um so for you Eduardo um first of all where are you based where am I speaking to you right now sure so I grew up in Lincoln um obviously of Lincolnshire and we do have a football inside there that plays its football in League One um I think one of the most infamous moments from experience in Lincoln City football would be when they made a FA Cup quarter final run, I think beating Burnley along the mm. way, Brighton as well, um, but unfortunately not good enough on the day for Arsenal, who we who they lost to in the quarterfinals. But essentially I've come to support Aston Villa. The story of how I supported Aston Villa is a long one to be fair, because initially when Starting to get into football, I was a big fan of Barcelona, you know, the Messi, Xavi, Iniesta days. And, you know, I was sort of getting a bit of pressure at school that I needed to support a Premier League side. And so, you know, I was I was reading my Match of the Day magazines, trying to choose, you know, which, which side to support. And, you know, funnily enough, me and my mum had just flown back from holiday uh, to Birmingham Airport. So my mum knew I was into football at the time. She knew I was a big uh, Barcelona fan. And, you know, she was nice enough to think to take me to Villa Park whilst we were in the area. You know, she knew it was a Premier League side. There's not really uh, Premier League sides local to me in Lincoln. Um, obviously, Nottingham Forest aren't too, too far. But bar that, Aston Villa are probably one of the next closest. And she was, you know, she was often telling me, you know, that, don't support the London clubs. They're too far to get away. You know, they're too inconvenient to get to, this and that. And so, yeah, she took me to Villa Park and um, we were lucky enough to meet a really nice steward who, you know, let us in the ground and, you know, let us around the, the changing rooms free of charge and just a, you know, quiet day at Villa Park. Obviously, don't want to get that student in trouble or anything, but it was very nice of him. And, and you know, I left the day with uh, uh, an Ashley Young top that my mum had uh, bought me as well. So 
you know, that's when I started following Aston Villa from that day. And you mentioned Young. Um, now, his favourite players as a fan, was he one that maybe would stand out for you? Maybe he's a favourite player since being a fan? Or was there maybe another player that has become sort of a guy you've over the years loved and more than anyone else? Yeah, I think Ashley Young has been an incredible servant to club. Even looking back at last season, what he was able to do at his age was really remarkable. Even somewhat benching Matty Cash on some game weeks due to the defensive shift he was able to put in. And I think many fans were sad to see him not uh, renewed and obviously now gone over to Everton. But in terms of a favourite player, I've got quite an unusual one. Um, It was a player from our championship days. And we've had many powerful strikers throughout the years. I've been following Villa, Ben Teke, Tammy Abraham, you know, to name a couple. But my favourite is actually um, Jonathan Codger, who, um, yeah, made close to 100 appearances for Villa. Unfortunately, you know, was sort of thrived through, <clears throat> did struggle with injury at some points, um, broke his ankle at, some, at one point, actually, um, for the club. However, my first game to see Aston Villa was um, a loud day at Villa Park, I think October 2016. We were at home to Fulham and the first Aston Villa goal I've seen live was an incredible acrobatic finish by Jonathan Codger to make it 1-0 Villa and that's how the game ended. So it all stems from there, really. Okay, so I can sort of see how the link was there, you know, First goal and first game stuff like that that you saw and stuff like that. So I can see why that would be, you know, a player that you look back on with fond memories. And speaking of which, actually, that is a nice segue into my next question. Before we go on to the off uh, the off season at the moment, is favorite memory as a Villa fan since you became a fan of the team? Yeah, sure. I think my favorite memory, and a lot of a lot of other Villa fans would have been happy on this day, was our seventy victory over Liverpool at Villa Park. You know, coming in twenty twenty. Um, I think it was somewhat uh, dimmed by Spurs happen, happening to beat Man United 6-1 on the same day. But I think the achievement of Aston Villa to obviously beat the, the reigning champion 7-2, Ollie Watkins scoring his first ever Premier League goals in that game, a hat-trick in the first half. It was just great viewing. Um, unfortunately, it did happen to coincide with the time that I caught COVID myself. So I maybe wasn't able to get as excited as I, as I would have liked, but it, it was an incredible day to be a Villa fan, for sure. I should have really been expecting that to happen. Really. As a Liverpool fan, uh, when I knew I was doing an Aston Villa podcast, favourite memories, you know, um, especially seeing yourself as quite you know, a young man, so you, you weren't obviously a fan who was of the you know the European Cup days and all that and stuff like that, um, or the European adventures, even in the early noughties, you know, when um, you had that great team. Um, so yeah, I should have probably expect that to come, but um, you know, it's it is a shame. But you know, um, still seeing that loss, always seeing that gold badge on our shit, always makes you feel a little bit, makes it sort of numbs the pain a little bit. The fact that I can still, you know, because that's something I wanted for years. So that is, um, yeah, that was obviously I couldn't be. That was obviously you remember a few hours before, you know, Manu lost was a six-one to Tottenham, and I think it was, was that at Old Trafford as well. And you know, I was because my my brother's a Manu fan as well, so. It's a case where, you know, we were... I'm not one to really give them stick, and I was preparing to give them stick, but I thought, you know, wait till the game's over and done with the Liverpool game in case we lose, and then that, that's what happened. And it was um, 
quite astonishing. And it's a good thing I wasn't in school those days. Cause I reckon if I'd gone to school the next day, I'd have been given so much dick. I mean, even back, you know, when I was in school, I had some stick for like Liverpool back then when you're going for the title, we'd lose to, I don't know, some team like all draw nil nil. Like a lot of times, the 08 or 9 season was the best example of that. The fact that Monday morning, if your team lost or you dropped points and you're going for the title, it was a case where you get sick. But I imagine with that, that'd have been, oh my God, that'd have been, it's a good thing I wasn't with anyone apart from my family and I was unemployed at the time. So I don't have to worry about colleagues or, um, Schoolmates giving me sticks. Yeah, that was um, but fair play to Villa. That's um, great performance, great result, and we were awful that day. Um, right. So going on to the current summer for Aston Villa, of course, a season where you finished, uh, I believe it was seventh last season. There was enough to finish in Europa Conference League, back to European football for the first time in years. You have got a playoff round coming in the Conference League. In terms of ins, um, one actually happened very recently. Um, I believe whilst I was away, uh, I was actually near the area of Villarreal for this festival. Um, Pau Torres arrived for £31.5 million pounds, uh, from Villarreal. Other players come in. Um, so some of the small main players like Cole Bran- uh, Brannigan and Callum Morland. Rico Richards on a free as well. But the one that um, obviously is one of the free transfers that really has been one of the more underrated, I think, signings of the moment is Yuri Tillmans. Um, and then transfers out, no real, um, obviously you mentioned Ashley Young, but no real other major uh, outgoings, obviously players such as, you know, players like fringe players or youngsters such as Declan Firth, Hayden Linley, players I've not even heard of, you know, other players, like Ashley Young, obviously mentioned Brad Young as one as well, but, um, and then the youngster, uh, Kane Kessler Hayden has been linked, has been loaned out, I should say, to Plymouth till the end of the season. So, overall, not really many Ins or outs, really, really, quite a quite a summer, really, apart from those two major signings. So, as a whole, how would you rate the summer business for Aston Villa? Yeah, I think obviously an important consideration also is um, the appointment of Monchi as uh, the football president at Villa. I think that, as well as the business we've done in terms of players, um, signals a statement of intent from the club to bring in Monchi, who obviously recently has faced allegations of um, physical altercations with Sevilla player Isco, but nevertheless did um, create a winning culture at Sevilla and also was partnered with Emery at times there as well. So I think bringing him in was a big coup for Villa and I'm excited to see what them two together can achieve in terms of the transfer window going forwards. Um and in terms of Pau Torres, I think that it's a great defensive reinforcement that maybe is more of a Unai Emery centre-back compared to our current defenders that, with his ability to progress the ball in terms of both carrying it and playing it forward. And also Tielemans as well provides crucial depth if we are to hopefully pass the European play-ins. We need that depth in the squad. You know, we saw West Ham have a have a fall off in the league table last year from competing in the conference league and we don't want our league position to suffer as much as that so bringing in as much depth as possible will be important and obviously you look as well at our links uh, very recently to Diaby and failing Diaby you know Doku and I think these are two wingers that are right up there in you know your <clears throat> in the European leagues and the talent they've got. So I think the fact we're linked with targets like that, it's really promising times for the club. Yeah, I couldn't be more. And of course, it's, um, 
your first European campaign, um, I believe, since 2009, I want to say. And from what everything you told me, it sounds like you were a bit too young for the last time you were in Europe. So um, for you, even though the tournament's only been you know, two or three years old, how exciting is it for you to see your team be playing in Europe next season, provided you get through the um, playing round? Yeah, I think that it's, you know, everything that we sort of would have wished for, seeing our club that has had European glory before down in the championship. You know, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. It kind of feels like we were sort of destined to get back to that European status. So being able to see it happen, being able to have another opportunity to win a trophy, another opportunity to watch, you know, Aston Villa during your week. I think it's really exciting and I think that Emery, you know, being the manager and the pedigree he has in Europe really does want to take Aston Villa further and, and really will compete in these European competitions as well. Yeah, I mean, Emery's track record is, especially the Europa League, is out of this world. I mean, it's um, multiple Europa League wins and even took Arsenal to a final as well, even though his time there is seen a lot by a lot of people as a underwhelming period not just Arsenal but also his career um, so yeah I think having him in charge and the job he's done as well to get you from obviously a guy I love Steven Gerrard uh, replacing him and they were 16th at the time and they've gone on to finish in a seventh position European space European position that's it's quite the achievement and Emery I think does, deserves a lot of credit for that but in terms of you know you've made Europe now great season last year to make it on the I think as a final day you made it to the Conference League just how does he kick on? Because it's a league at the moment where Newcastle have just bought Tenali for 50 odd million, Arsenal spent money on Declan Rice, City a City, Liverpool making moves, um, Man U have signing a Nana by the looks of it, maybe Holland as well. So obviously, Champions League is a very hard thing to get into, but also, you know, you never know, Kane might go, but he might get some players into a place and that do just as well. So in terms of Villa performing this season, obviously, you could argue that maybe the team, the European fixtures might have been hindrance because of multiple games, but West Ham have proved that that's not the case always. Um, so for you, just how does team kick on? Is it a case of kicking on where you just keep around the same position or is there maybe expectation from the fan base to try and go for each Champions League spot or is it just having another good season? What sort of is the expectation this year of Villa and how sort of do you think the team could possibly kick on and what is viewed as progress for Aston Villa this season? Yeah, sure. It's a really good question. I think that, firstly, I think what's promising is if, you know, you look at our squad, there's plenty of players that are still young and with room to grow. Um, if you think about Douglas Louise, if you think about Ezra Concer, if you think about Leon Bailey, if he stays, Matty Cash, they're all 25 years of age and and that means there is room for them to grow, as well as Cameron Archer and Jacob Ramsey, two players that were part of England under-21's Euro success this summer. So if you consider that, that is, <clears throat> you know, that is encouraging to think. We, we've got the youth there, in a sense, that is able to improve from season to season. Obviously, that might not be, you know, upgrading from Douglas Lewis to so someone to a player someone may consider world-class, but just that gradual improvement from season to season is crucial to to um, improvement in the Premier League generally. And then also, I think, 
you know, we haven't had a manager like Emery in, in some time. So for him to secure Europe in his first season, bear in mind it wasn't even a full season. I think the roof for Aston Villa is, you know, optimistically high at the moment because we've seen the run he was able to put together at the end of last season and it excited fans. The big sort of names that are coming in, you know, we haven't seen the likes of Pau Torres linked with Aston Villa in, you know, a long time. He's a Spanish international. So, you know, I do think it's exciting in terms of that, but also we can't get carried away with ourselves, you know, looking at fellow underdogs Newcastle, you know, they were managed they managed to um embrace the top four in, you know, the, their first attempt of asking. I don't think the top four necessarily is a realistic aim due to the reasons he stated. But there's no reason why we shouldn't long term think that if we keep recruiting recruiting players of this calibre and if we keep developing young talents such as Cameron Archer and Jacob Ramsey, why a trajectory could be towards there. But, you know, people think the traditional big six, you know, it's always hard to beat them out. But obviously we were able to beat out two of the traditional big six last season. Tottenham, whether Kane goes or stays, they're probably due a big rebuild shortly. Chelsea will probably be in somewhat of a rebuild mode this season due to their, you know, wacky transfers of late. Um, so I think you've really just got to capitalise when other teams aren't on the ball. And as Newcastle did particularly well last season, as Brighton even did. And I think that's crucial to climbing up the table. You even look at Brighton and, of course, we rate their recruitment. We know what they can do in the transfer market in terms of finding gems. But, you know, you do have to acknowledge compared to Aston Villa, you know, we haven't lost a player such as, you know, McAllister, Caicedo, how crucial them players were to their team last season. You know, we haven't lost a Watkins or something like that. We are, this summer so far, able to retain our better players from last season. So I think that's important as well, not not to be a selling club, maybe as Brighton, I mean, they're getting a huge profit for their players and, you know, you've got to respect that completely. But if we're able to keep hold of our best players, then that's even more promising as well moving forward. I agree I agree completely. And I think that your best signing probably has been the last year getting Emery in. And I think that he, you're having him in and I think that you haven't really lost anyone. Obviously, Ashley Young, you could argue maybe off the, off the pitch as well, could be a big miss. I think he probably brings a lot of leadership and experience to the dressing room. But I think you know, you've a lot of links with the likes of Ollie Watkins was linked heavily with a lot of teams over the last twelve to eighteen months and you know, other players like that. I think so keeping all of them but I think getting Tielman in on a free is fantastic because you know it's risk free, first of all. All you gotta do is wages and that's it. And I think that he's proved that obviously everyone knows he's got a goal on him, like a good goal on him. Um and he's had you know probably one bad year in the last five years, and I think he's still I believe he's still fairly young. I actually don't know what his age is, but he's um yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think that goes to show, which is really a segue into my next question, is that that this team is really keeping up likes of Coutinho, who has struggled a lot this season. I mean, what, I'll get your take on him now, because he came in on loan last January uh, from Barcelona, had a great loan spell, six months, uh, you know, in all competitions, or just Premier League, it was at the time, that last season. Uh, 19 goals, sorry, 19 games, uh, five assists, and then... In this season, just gone all competitions, twenty-two games, just one goal scored. Um, you know, when you bought him for, I believe it was like seventeen to eighteen million pounds, everyone saw that. Like myself, as one of the 
biggest um, steals of the, of the um, transfer window to that get him so cheap, considering he was port of over over hundred million pounds from, from Barcelona. You know, he had a great loan spell, only to go for eighteen million pounds. It everyone saw his incredible business, but um, proved to be this year not the case. I mean, it's clearly he's not Emery's guy. He's had a few injuries, but what do you think happens to Coutinho? Because everyone knows the talent's there. You know, he scored against Arsenal last year. That was his only goal of the season. But everyone knows he's got the talent. And obviously, everyone is well documented how bad his time was at Barcelona. But what do you see happening to him? Do you see it being a case where he leaves and in the next six to, eight to 12 months, maybe to Saudi, play with Gerard, Or do you see him at any point in the season making some sort of resurgence in the, in the Villa team? Yeah, I think... A player of Coutinho's stature, you know, in no way am I of the illusion that he's not good enough for Aston Villa Football Club. I think that ability-wise, you know, I'm sure that he's one of the better players we have been able to sign in the January transfer window. And when he first came in, uh, I was absolutely ecstatic to see a player of his calibre come into our club. And I think, although Steven Gerrard's management was, you know, Simply put, you know, pretty poor. One thing that does go in his favour is he had the big name to attract players to the club. And I think bringing the likes of Coutinho and Kamara at the time, Gerard really was able to improve the status of Aston Villa, which I think was a stepping stone towards Emery. And so although his management in-game was poor, I think his pull was important for us at the time and has, you know, benefited us long-term. In terms of Coutinho and his performances, you know, obviously on his debut, came in, scored against Man United. It felt like we'd pulled off some sort of wizardry in the in the window at that moment. But what's particularly disappointing, I think, is that a lot of players look poor under Gerrard. You think of McGinn, he was getting, you know, a lot of unfair criticism during that time. And then when Emery came in, McGinn, Mings, Buendia, I mean, even Watkins went on a, really hot run of form and you saw a lot of players improve in the team and unfortunately not even Coutinho was able to get in on this um, hot run of form that a lot of our players caught following Emery coming in to, to uh, manage the team so I think that's what was particularly disappointing I think you know if Gerard Saudi club was to come in for Coutinho and, and we were able to recoup some cash. I think a lot of Aston Villa fans would uh, snap snap your hand off for some, you know, cash for Coutinho right now because I, I just don't think that, you know, we've seen it really working. Even, you know, the likes of <clears throat> the likes of Buendia can have inconsistent games. Sometimes we might call for other players to come off the bench, but not a lot of people, I would say, are calling for Coutinho to be in the team and. You know, it's a real shame because we know the talent he possesses and it was really exciting to see a player of his big name come into the squad. Yeah, um, I think you look at Gerald's Paul, someone like Diego Carlos as well, who I know hasn't played much because of injuries, but of course he's a guy that had a lot of people at Newcastle after their takeover were linked with him a lot. And the fact to get him, um, and I know he's not played, but um, that shows again the pull Gerald has. And I think that in a way, I think you can look at it in a way, I think what you're saying about the fact that whilst, you know, Emery's has proven that Gerald was either not up to job or maybe he wasn't ready for that kind of job just yet. Um, but, you know, he sort of has, in a way, led to bigger things. Obviously, getting the life of these players in and then that sort of, you know, helped Emery come in and 
help these talented players progress even further. So I think there's a little bit maybe you could thank Gerald for, but I don't really, even though I love the guy, I don't think you can thank him too much because he was, you were teasing on relegation form and Emery's basis made these players look 10 times better as these players, you know, all these signings some years ago, made pin all his money on players, almost got relegated that season. And, you know, these players were seen as players that can make you challenge for being potential European places. And obviously that never happened. So the, Players, everyone knew the players were there, but I think Emery's just finally helped them realize their potential. Um, now, into our final segment, which will be as to do with every fan who comes on this series, uh, asking each fan where they think their team will end up in the Premier League table this season. So, you are currently our fifth, uh, to our fourth um, guest on the podcast doing these previews. So, we'll obviously rank you among everyone else, see who's the most optimistic and least optimistic. So, Eduardo. What where will Aston Villa finish in the table this season? Okay, yeah, so it's a big question and I'm I'm going to say that Aston Villa, fingers crossed, can hold down the seventh position. Hey, so that means obviously we are doing City next. You know we're asking to go their prediction, but at the moment you are the second most optimistic fan. Um so at the moment you are second behind Keg, our Newcastle fan from from uh, Magpie TV. He had him finishing fifth. And Oliver Lee, our Bournemouth fan, had him in 14th. Uh, Bournemouth, sorry. And then Jay Martin, our Forest fan, had him finishing 13th. So, yeah, that's, um, I think that's a good season. I think I mentioned progress before. I think if you can stay in the place again, despite having more games, it shows your squad adapted to the kind of rigorous fixture list. Um, and I think that'll be a good sign going forward. And a bonus question for you. If you make a pass to play in round, how far do you see Villa going in the Conference League? Yeah, I think obviously encouraging was Juventus obviously took a one-year ban in European competition and they were going to be competing in the Europa Conference League. They would have been both a tough opponent to come across, but also it meant that we've moved into a seeded position in the in the tournament. So we should, in theory, get a lower-ranked um, opposition for the playing game. And I think that moving forward, if we can... Keep, keep our players fit and keep good squad rotation available for these games. And with Emery's European pedigree, I can see us going, you know, as far, you know, if West Ham can do it, I can see us going as far as, you know, the late stages, the semi-final, the final, no doubt. Well, that would be quite the um, quite the season if you did that. That would be um, a great season. So, that is where we're going to end the episode. Um, but before we go, of course, Eduardo, you are a fellow writer for Vavil. Um, So, people who are maybe watching on YouTube or listening on podcasts who haven't been aware of your work, how can they find you on social media? Yeah, sure. So, my Twitter handle is at Ed, Ed Tansley Sport, Tansley, T-A-N-S-L-E-Y. Um, there I share a lot of the Vavil articles I write. Or if not, um, feel free to look up my articles in the Vavil website where you'll see my various writings on Aston Villa. Fantastic. So, yeah, we will obviously put the tweets out on the Instagram post about this episode when it comes out, most likely late July. Um, and obviously, you, you can then find his work on there and you can give him a follow. Uh, but in the meantime, this has been the Eurotrips podcast. I've been your host, Andy. This has been Eduardo. And we will see you guys for our next team season preview. See you then. Germany won!